is episode 308 for June 2014, and that song is called He's Spider-Man by the Ray Wald Band, and you can find them up on YouTube. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking to author Daniel Wallace, and listen to the whole interview, and at the end, you'll find out details how you can win a copy of his new book, The World According to Spider-Man. On with the show. Hey, Crawl Spacers. In this episode, we're interviewing writer Daniel Wallace. He's written a new book called The World According to Spider-Man. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm really glad to be here. Talk a bit about the book. How did it come about? Well, this is The World According to Spider-Man. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, published by Inside Editions. It's a humor book primarily. It's a book yeah. written by Spider-Man and it's a, you know, a very image heavy, comedy book, essentially. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm writing it from the perspective of Spider-Man, as if he's writing to you, the reader, about becoming a superhero like him. So it's a very, uh, you know, light-hearted take on it, but it's a funny one, too, hopefully. And and it's inspired by the similar books. There's actually a world according to the Wolverine that's out now, but um, the one that I was using as a template, I didn't work on that one, but the one I was using as a template by the same publisher were uh, Simpsons ones. They, there's a you know oh. Homer Simpson's Guide to Life, and there's a Bart Simpson one, <laughs> and so on. And those are the ones that I was using sort of as inspiration for this. And it works with Spider-Man, in my opinion, because he's a funny yeah. character anyway. And so his writing would would be very lighthearted, and and he would have a sense of humor about the whole business about being a superhero. And that's really what I was trying to capture with this. I was going to ask about that because the the whole book is first person Spider Man talk, like he was writing an autobiography or something like that. What was it like to have Spider Man's voice in it your was, head? <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun because I mean he's a funny he's a funny guy, and the thing that I yeah. think is interesting about Spider so this is very uh, you know him speaking to you as the reader. So I mean there's a little suspension of disbelief that you know he's talking about himself and he's talking about his himself as Peter Parker and he's talking about all these other things. Yeah. So I mean you know it's it's more of a uh, uh, you know, as a fan, this is more of a not a not necessarily a canon uh, autobiography of Spider-Man. It's just if he were to take you under his wing and try to teach you all these things in a light-hearted way. Um, and so that's what I was trying to do. And the thing that's funny about Spider-Man is, you know, as everybody listening knows, he's a very funny, uh, engaging guy. But he's also mm-hmm. this very, you know, super nerd too. You know, he's very sciencey and he's, he's very into that. So he has this this um, balance of uh, humor that he can make like really dopey, dumb puns and things like that. <laughs> but he can also right. make these really, you know, he's he's a super, he's one of the smartest people on the planet. So he can also make these very intelligent jokes about things and sort of poke fun. At, he's very self aware. So if he does make some sort of science joke, he might make a joke about the fact that he made a science joke because he knows only him and uh, and, and Reed Richards are going to be the ones who understand it. <laughs> right. And talk about your history with Spider-Man. When did you first discover the character? Oh, boy. I can't even remember. I mean, it just he's, <laughs> he's one of those characters that's really in the public consciousness in the way that a Batman is. And yeah. um, I, I, I love him. I've been a comic book reader for forever, you know, since I was really young. And I've done a lot of related comic book projects. And um, within uh, when I was, you know, younger and I was reading Marvel and DC, the Marvel books I was, re- I was reading were Spider-Man um, and, uh, you know, all the titles that were out at the time. I think, I think at the time I was reading those, it was amazing. And uh, Web of Spider-Man and... Uh, 
I think me and Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man was out there too. So I was reading all, I was right. buying all those every month. And then, um, you know, I was also reading Avengers and Captain America and these other ones too. That, but that was kind of my, I went X-Men too. Jeez, I don't know. I was probably buying, I was probably buying everything that was coming <laughs> out there. Marvel Universe. Yeah. Marvel Universe, yeah. But Spider-Man is one of, Spider-Man is one of my favorite superheroes, period, because, yeah. um, I like, I tend to gravitate more toward the optimistic superheroes. I, I like Superman on the DC side. I just like his idealism. I like Captain America on the Marvel side. I like the superheroes who stand for something and they, they're sort of an inspiration. And I like Spider-Man for the same way. He's, he, he's kind of cut from the same, I think him and like Cap have a lot in common. They're, they're very optimistic in their inspirations to people. And they're not yeah. particularly angsty. I mean, Spider-Man, you know, he can get angsty, but he's, he bounces back really, really, you know, really fast. Right. He's not like Wolverine or, or Batman or, or somebody like that who kind of lives in a darker place. He's a, he's a fun, you know, superhero, and, and that's what I like. I think that's one of the reasons why I've always liked reading about him and gravitating about him. Also, he probably, within the uh, next to Batman, I think Spider-Man, within the world of comic books, has the best rogues gallery of any superhero. Right. No doubt. Now, you mentioned Webb and Spectacular. It sounds like you're a kid of the 80s. Is that when you first discovered Yeah, that? I think those, those were 80s okay. comics that I was reading around then. And uh, yeah. geez, I remember I, I have some long boxes with old Spider-Mans. I can't get them digitally but, or trades. But, um, you know, around I think McFarlane had, had done some relaunches around that time. I was reading those. And right. I was reading, uh, I can't remember who was on the titles back then. But, you know, I know most of those major storylines I... I did. I also did a um, another Spider-Man book that's out now, and we're talking about it. But uh, the Spider-Man Character Guide, I think, just recently came out oh. by DK, and it's an updated version of uh, Spider-Man's character. Each page has a, a profile of a Spider-Man character from the last 50 years of comics, basically, and uh, that is new out now as well. So. Um, I, I actually think I saw that at my local Sam's Club. I yeah, think I saw yeah, that. I, th- I yeah. just did that one too. So I had two Spider-Mans coming out now, uh, World According to, and the Character Guide. And of course, the impetus of getting them both out at the same time is because of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, the movie. Right. And you've done a few of these books where you do character profiles. Like you have, I was looking at your Amazon uh, description or biography. You did the Star Wars New Essential Guides to Characters. Mm-hmm. Is, is is that basically? I, I haven't read it, but is that basically like the Marvel Universe guide from back in the eighties, where it had a picture and described the history and the origins of characters? Yeah, yeah. No, you just described one of my favorite things. I was that was Marvel guide handbook to the Marvel Universe. I think right, the handbook. Called. Yeah, I love that thing. Boy. That's one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite concepts because, um, and that's why I'm doing these kind of things now is because I, um, I always gravitated toward Marvel as and Spider-Man and that as a place where there was a bigger universe that I didn't understand yet, you know. And I'd read these stories and it'd be like, oh, he's finding uh, living laser or something, and I'd be like, who's, who's living laser? And then I pick up. Let's these, look them up. Yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> look them up, and we would get these things. And this was before the internet. And this was just like, oh, wow, wow. You know, like I just spent hours and hours reading about the characters. And I kind of do that when I like it, really like a fictional universe. Um, Star Wars is another example. And I really like try to understand the, um, not only, you know, the storylines, but also like what kind of a world is it? You know, who lives there? You know, what is their relationships with each other? Where does everybody inhabit? You know, what kind of battles have they fought and things like that? Just trying to understand it. And as a writer, I've been able to extrapolate that into a, a, a career as, you know, a chronicler of those kind of things. So I've, I've written 
the Marvel Encyclopedia, um, the uh, Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars books about that, like the Essential Guide to Droids, the Star Wars Atlas, um, and yeah. then for DC, I've done a bunch of like uh, uh, Batman, The World According to the Dark Knight. Um, I did a Superman book uh, in the same vein. Um, for Man of Steel last year, I did the official uh, making of art of book for that that movie, and right. so it's that kind of thing that it's. Most of the writing that I do is nonfiction, but it takes place in fictional universes. It's more about treating it as if it were, you know, a real thing and, and um, explaining how the world works as if, you know, you're a historian or something almost. And uh, this one is a little different. You know, World of Tony and Spider-Man is a little bit more first person, so it's a little bit more right. I'm talking about things, but I'm talking about them as if it is Peter who's telling me these things. Right. What was the research like for the new Spider-Man books? It was super fun because I got to read Spider-Man comics. Actually, this was, yeah. the one I did with World According to Spider-Man was very helpful because I had just finished doing the character guide. So the character guide, I went back, and if I'm doing Scorpion or something like that, I'd go back and I'd look at old Scorpion comics. And if I, right. you know, all the way going back to, you know, Gwen Stacy and Captain Stacy and, uh, you know, Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus when he appears, and all these, so I was reading comics from the early 60s all the way up to uh, new stuff, you know, with, uh, you know, Superior Spider-Man and that. And uh, th- that was so, I had, you know, 50 years of Spider-Man comics that I think were pretty fresh. And then when I was mm-hmm. able to do World According to Spider-Man, I think it really helped because I read, you know, I probably read over a thousand, reread over a thousand Spider-Man comics in order to do Ooh. that. And now I was able to, you know, get, you said about getting into his head, I felt like, yeah. He was already in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple personalities going on right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like we were talking about uh, earlier, the, the there's a bit of 70s and 80s references that I liked in here because I'm a kid of the 70s and 80s. I liked the, the reference to Secret Wars with the Hulk holding up the mountain. Mm-hmm. You got <laughs> that. All right, awesome. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you get these because I put a lot of references in that weren't obvious <laughs> references, and I was hoping super fans would know that I, I just, we were talking about the Hulk's strength, so I said, he wants to hold up a mountain, like, you know, Peter saying that, but it was literally, he, you know, he did hold up a mountain one, so it was did. Secret Wars, that's, yeah. That's a classic cover. Also, I love the reference to the stats of the Spider-Mobile, it has a fruit pie dispenser, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yep. But I love reading those things, it makes me hunger for a fruit pie at this moment. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff, the other thing is, um, on this book, um, there's like a lot of stuff that ended up getting cut for space. I'd say I probably wrote at least 25% more. So like a spider mobile, I had like another dozen <laughs> little call outs that we didn't even have room for, but I was so glad they put the fruit pie in there. They told me they weren't going to put the, they were told me they were going to cut out the fruit pie thing. And I'm like, Oh, come on. No, but, that was awesome. Okay, for old yeah. times, like I said, I'm looking at that page right now, which is um, the, <laughs> about the spider mobile. So it's Corona yeah. spider mobile. Cause they're the one who made it. And, um, for readers that haven't seen it yet, there's a lot of, in the book, there's a lot of removables. So there's little things that, that you can pull out and look at um, that come off the page, like they're little extras and they're stuck on with glue in that. And on the Spider-Mobile page, there's a driver's license for Spider-Man. And uh, the ID number of the driver's license is 08101962, which is uh, 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 the date of the first Spider-Man comic. So I hid that in. Very nice. And then... yeah, yeah. Nice. so it, it, there's little little hidden things like that in there that I thought were kind of cute. 
And the license plate, I, I didn't get it off at the first, but when you explained it, that was just a – it's LBDGTA, which stands for <laughs> – This is Peter's uh, thing, his little uh, um, notation. It says, uh, get it, uh, Labdignagnathia, which is the suborder of arachnids. And then he realizes <laughs> that, you know, it's a completely geeky biologist joke, and he says, you know, anyone? Very nice. A- anyone? You know, he's no, not gonna, Yes. So it's just <laughs> – it's there's a lot of stuff in here. The, the overall uh, idea behind the book was just if you're a superhero and you're picking this up. So it begins uh, with an overview of you know how Spider-Man became a hero, and he sort of you know making jokes mm-hmm. about it. And there's different examples of his costume. You know, if you have a costume, things that you don't want to do. Um, you know, if you have a black right. costume, don't let your cat uh, get on it because it stinks. The different <laughs> costumes that he made, uh, explanation of the web shooters and, and what can go wrong with it and just goofy things that you can do with it. And well, uh, the thing about the strength and so on. And it goes all the way through his villains. And at the end, we talk a little bit about the secret identities and, you know, right. the life of Peter. We, we, like we referenced a little bit earlier, the book has several pullouts. Let's go over them a little bit. One of the first ones you have is a letter written from J. Jonah Jameson firing Peter Parker. Talk a bit about that. I love this. This a fun thing is is, is some no. I think we had a thing in there about you know that you know Jonah would send something to Peter in some capacity, and it could be on letterhead or something like that. So I decided to make this sort of Peter firing. I'm sorry, Jonah <laughs> firing Peter. And he just yeah. begins with it, you know, as it goes on and on. He's, he says, uh, this is a difficult letter for me to write since I'd much rather be delivering this news in person so I could throttle your skinny little neck. You are fired, right? And then he keeps going on. And says, <laughs> oh, why, Mr. Jameson? Why, oh, well, whatever shall I do, Mr. Jameson? That's your generation in a nutshell. So he keeps going on about slackers and it's all Peter, you know, it is a, you know, this is your yeah. problem. You don't have a work ethic. And he keeps going on and keeps going on. And then at the very end, he's like, did all that motivate you? This is a motivational letter, isn't it? Why am I writing this letter again? And so he, by the time he gets through his rant, of course, he has no idea what's going on. And he ends <laughs> it up with, Parker, what I'm trying to say is simple. Why are you still reading this letter? I need pictures, son. Pictures of Spider-Man. Get your camera, hit the streets, and make me some money. With contempt, J. Jonah Jameson. With so, contempt. Love that. With contempt. So he, he was going to sign it with contempt anyway, no matter what it was. But the <laughs> idea is that he's so volatile, right? Like Jonah yeah. is the kind of character where he's going to start off and he's going to fire you. And if you just stand there long enough and you let him let it all out, by the time he's done, he doesn't even know what he's yelling at you anymore. About. You know, he's that kind of guy, yeah. Do you have, like, J.K. Simmons from the movies in your head when you're writing this exactly. out loud? Exactly. J.K. Simmons is the perfect guy, <laughs> yeah. and that's the one reason right. why I was disappointed in the new, new couple of movies is they haven't had right. uh, J. Jonah in there, but at the same time, if they recast him, I don't know if I, you know, it's like it'd be sacrilege almost. Well, you know they could do what they did with him in the Bond movies. I mean, bring him back. Oh, yeah, I think they should, yeah. I think I'd, I, that would be the, the perfect thing. You know, he could be the, the link between that. So uh, here's, a, here's a geeky question. Who signed the Jameson signature? Was that you? <laughs> I, that's a good question. But no, I don't know. They, um, <laughs> whenever they do things like that, it's always a good question because they have to do, yeah. like, little handwriting things. And um, either somebody did that or they found a, well, no, I don't know. No, I didn't do that. They also have another thing in here. There's a on his Spider-Man's driver's license. He signs his name, and it right, says, right. he signs it Spider-Man, right? And the whole joke of the, of the driver's license is that you know, it, how would Spider-Man even have a driver's license? So he has his New York <laughs> State driver's license. His last name is Man. His first name is Spider. 
and its middle initial <laughs> is the is the dash between it's the hyphen, there, it's spider, yeah. the, hy- the hyphen between there and spider. Exactly. And uh, I, I thought it was amusing that the New York State would actually issue a driver's license to Spider-Man. But then I, I thought, in the world of Marvel, it might actually do something like that, you know? <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the report card. I love he had – another pull-out is Peter Parker's report card. Talk about yeah. making the re- the Midtown High report card. Yeah, the Midtown High School. Let me see. I'm flipping to it right now. So, oh yeah, here it is. So Midtown High yeah. School. So I actually tried to uh, emulate the uh, the look of a report card from hmm. like the 1960s. You know, just in the sense that you know that was old. Obviously, he's not didn't grow up in the 1960s in current continuity, but but it, it looks like a 60s. I like that. Yeah, I, I was actually. Yeah. It's the New York City Department of Education Midtown High School Forest Hills Queens, <laughs> right? Which is how yeah. you know how that would have been done. So this is his sophomore year report card, and it was just it was just fun. I, he was giving him grades and all that, and I was trying to make you know funny comments. So algebra, he gets an A, of course. You know, the comment is uh, he's one of my best students. Peter is a real living brain. You know. <laughs> nice. Right. I love the I love the clone reference in chemistry. Miles Warren. Oh God, been. yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we know in continuity that Miles Warren wasn't in his high school, but I, I oh, just, well, the, the, the handwriting yeah, was on the wall already. Yeah, where is that one? Right, right. The uh, yeah, chemistry. He gets an A plus. What a great student. <laughs> I wish I could clone Peter Parker. So that was that was in there for for those uh, physical education. You know. Uh, Peter, Peter failed to qualify for the Presidential Physical Fitness Award again, which would have been a big thing in the 60s. Anyway, when it comes to students like him, enthusiasm isn't good enough. And so I, I, that was actually more of a uh, kind of a, a assessment of Peter in that he, mm-hmm. he obviously was trying, you know, like, and that was me, you know, me, me, my actual take on him is I think he would have gotten a terrible grade in, in physical education before he became Spider-Man, and, but it wouldn't have been like he was slacking off. You know, he would have been doing right. the best he could to qualify for that presidential fit, physical fitness thing, and he couldn't have done it. It's like it's like Captain America before he got the super soldier serum. I, you know? I thought you were referencing a, a future with the uh, the college where he was a gym class short of getting the college degree. Oh no, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one too. Yeah, yeah. There's the uh, for English. The uh, teacher says yeah. uh, uh, his writing is very imaginative. His dialogue is so flippant. Is there a hidden side of Peter <laughs> just waiting to come out? Because I don't think he would have been making all those snarky comments when he was a student, but it must have come from somewhere. You know, he's, you know, right. as soon as he had the opportunity to sort of stretch his wings, um, you know, I, anyway, that was a lot of fun. It was just little bits like that. There's another <laughs> a couple of, there's, wait, here's another reference that I think you, you would appreciate. Yeah, yeah. You probably saw it, but there's a section in here about, um, about love life, you know, keeping your love, oh, yeah. how do you keep your love life uh, balanced when you're a superhero? And I, was, got, I was going to reference that where you go over the different girlfriends. Yeah, the different girlfriends. And, and, uh, let me see if I got my that. favorite is the Mary Jane one. I, I, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have it there. I'm flipping, trying to flip through it. But I've got it. I can read it. It says, why it didn't work with Mary Jane. And Spider-Man goes, you tell me. Sometimes I feel like we could have gotten married and spent, I don't know, 20 years together. But then I woke up. <laughs> then I wake up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, obviously a marriage fan, I, I imagine. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things. It just felt like, uh, you know, I love it. I love it. there's something there, you know, a little bit of a, of a thing that he's got a he's got a history, yeah, publishing history. Um, even if some of it is uh, it has been buried a, a bit, you know, it's still there, and we kind of know it. We kind of reference it. We kind of know that it's there. I I love you got that one past Marvel. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I put in a bunch of things, and I was thinking, you know, either they'll think I'm I'm trying to be too starky or something like that. But it, it was also I yeah. figured that there'd be little jokes in there that um, if we tried to 
I don't know. You know, Peter as Spider-Man makes humor, not mean-hearted humor, but, he, you know, he can be yeah. kind of cutting sometimes, too. So uh, that was yeah, part of the inspiration of trying to capture him and all that. So, Is there another thing that you put in there that you didn't think would get past him? Uh, I'm trying. You know, there. That was a, that was a good one. I, I like that. Right. There, I think I put in a few references in here to um, um, other things, and I don't know if they were. Let's see if I'm here. Yeah, there. There's little things. I didn't think that they were in any danger of getting cut, but like, there's a spread in here about Spidey's Guide to New York City. You know, which oh, okay. was kind of fun because I, I was able to put in all these little references in, in here. So, you know, we have references in here. Here's where Avengers Mansion is. Here's where uh, uh, Stark Tower is and things like that. So it was a lot of fun because there, you know, were bits on here. Um, we updated it, too. We have, like, Horizon Labs, you know, relatively new right. from on here, and the Daily Planet and so on. Um, reference to Stilt Man. Uh, reference <laughs> to the, the Hypno-Hustler. Um, nice. That, that was a lot of fun. Um so there's another call thing in here. Um, we talked about Shea Stadium, former site of Shea Stadium, because oh. he's not there anymore. Uh, and, and Peter says, I fought my own clone here. Long story. Seriously, it took years and hundreds of issues. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I missed that one. Else. That was uh, That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to the lo- Love Life page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you battle the narrow it down to four because Carly Cooper is not loved by my website. <laughs> no, I know, but I think a lot of people to, hate that gal. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> There's something on that. I think we were just trying to keep it, um, make sure that yeah. it had a little bit of a current, uh, thing in it too. Right. Uh, that there were some references in here that were more recently from the comics, you know, for the last five or so years, but most of the yeah. stuff in here besides Carly. And there's a few other references like that, like horizon labs, um, and, uh, some of the stuff, like we, we talked a little bit about, um, let's see, I think I talked about one of the new hobgoblins in here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. with the Daily yeah. Bugle cast, you had the Daily Bugle your... cast, and I think we talked about, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, so, oh, God, Betty, Lance Bannon, uh, he's older, though, well, Nora Winters, maybe that was the one, and then, oh, yeah, anyway, Nora yeah. Bill, yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of references in here. For the most part, though, you know, Spider-Man's been around so long that if you're going to make references to the last five years, that's fine. But still, that's only you know a tenth of his publishing history. Most of the exactly, stuff yeah. that you talk about would be more of the classic stuff. You know, most of his villains that people are going to know are the villains. And in fact, I want to apologize to anybody in advance. There was, um, uh, there's not a reference, uh, a good reference in here to Electro, and it should have been. We were just going to put oh. Electro in one bit, and we ended up cutting it. And then there was another bit where I was going to actually have, uh, there's a guest section in here written by Venom, and I was going to have yeah. another guest section written by Rhino. Um, and we ended up having to cut it uh, because we didn't run out of room. And so I didn't get a good chance to make a lot of Rhino jokes. I really wanted to make a lot of Rhino jokes. <laughs> I wanted to have Rhino actually writing a spread like, you know, like, like Spider-Man was kind of you know taking pity on him and was being like, hey, you can have a I'll give, you, I'll give you some space to uh, to talk about something, and you know, Rhino would not be very good or nice. engaging or anything like that. So uh, I, I like Rhino. Rhino's one of my favorite uh, B-list villains in the Spider-Man continuity. I do too. We haven't talked about the the illustrator of the of the book. Tell me his name. I don't want to flub it up. Uh, <laughs> Mirko. I'll probably, I'll probably flub. I'll probably flub it up anyway. But I, <laughs> his, his name is uh, Mirko. 
Federici, and uh, he is an illustrator, and you can look up up online. Um, and he's he's very talented. He's got a lot of, of work. Yeah. Uh, we communicate a little bit before the project, um, but for the most part, um, our back and forth was mostly me trying to describe what I thought the jokes would be visually, and mm. then I had my fingers crossed, you know, because I didn't know what Merkel was going to come back with. And I mean, this is how you know writing comic books work. You come up with a script. And then you say, well, here's what's supposed to happen in this panel. And then the, you know, the illustrator goes in and does it. And mm-hmm. it could work out great and make it even better than your script is, or it could be terrible. And Marco did right. a fantastic job. I was, I was so did. happy. I was so happy with what he did because he was able to, I think his illustrations of Spidey are great, but they're yeah. also um, not so realistic that it feels uh, like it's off tone for the book. Like it's, it's kind of cartoony and, and very, uh, you know, it's a uh, nice balance. Nice balance, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's he's very. Uh, there's a lot of humor and uh, dynamism in the illustrations in that, and I was super happy that he was able to pick up on where I was going with uh, a lot of these jokes. What, one of my favorite uh, two-page spreads that he did in the book is the emoting with your mask, where <laughs> it talks about the different eye shapes of Spider-Man, yeah. and I, I envisioned you like in in the uh, the mirror with a mask on, trying to get the eyes closed when you're writing this. <laughs> Yeah. Or he was. I, and I was worried about that one because the whole joke was yeah. that uh, Spider-Man, um, you know, the whole uh, idea for that joke came about because, you know, Spider-Man in the comics, he, he wears the mask and he's got the giant wide eyes and that. But in, right. the, in, in the comics, he can, he can uh, show emotion through, through his eye shape because that's kind of how comics work. You know, you do a little exaggeration right. and so on. So if he's suspicious or something, he'll close his eyes, those giant wide eyes, but if you're actually wearing a mask like that, of course you couldn't do that. You don't have any facial control over the, that. It's a mask. You know, you can't literally do exactly the same thing. So it's an artistic license. So there's a little bit of a, of a joke that um, if you're going to become a superhero like me, you need to be able to emote so people can, you know, identify <laughs> with you, i.e. Yeah. the readers of your comic book, basically. But and, uh, and he did a great job of doing that. So, you know, there's wide-eyed surprise, there's suspicion, there's skepticism, there's sleepiness. And there's the goofy ones, the, the blissful lotus, which is uh, Spider-Man meditating, <laughs> uh, the hypno tune, which is Spider-Man going wacky like a, like Toontown, uh, and then and then I acknowledge the ear problem, which is that literally when yeah. Spider you see Spider-Man uh, uh, drawn in classic comic book style, he does not have ears, he does not even have bumps for where his ears are supposed to be. Right. You know, he has he has no ears, and I think he just acknowledges <laughs> that, like you know. It's just what happens when you put on my mask. What did you want me to do? Cut out holes from my ears? Come on. <laughs> and you also, on the next page, address the, the mechanical web shooters versus the organic web shooters. You do pro and con. Spider-Man does pros and cons of both. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, that, you know, the, and that was uh, me. I know the comments have gone back and forth, but I, I remember back when uh, Toby McGuire first movie was coming out right. and, and uh, the noorganicwebshooters.com and, you know, the whole yep. dealio with that. The pro of uh, mechanical web shooters is the precision of genuine Parker engineering. Uh, the con is the need to keep refilling them. Okay, yeah, it seems, seems reasonable, right? The pro of the organic web shooters is they refill themselves. As long as you drink plenty of fluids and eat starchy foods, the con yeah. is... Ew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, how do you rate on it? What do you like, mechanicals or organics? I actually, I like the mechanicals, and I like that they have it. I think that the, uh, I think the organic can work. I have nothing really against it because, I mean, it does seem like 
Um, if he has the powers of a spider, that that would probably be a spider power, because otherwise, you know, he kind of jumps in six of things. Like, that could be, I don't know, a fly, a wingless fly man or something. But that does seem like a spider power. Like, he should get the, that. So I'm not but, angry when it's in there, but I, yeah. I prefer the, I prefer the mechanical ones because um, that's kind of how it started. And I, I do like tradition. I, I'm not, you know, that you can't reinvent things, but I like it when they, if they are going to reinvent something, let's say they're going to reboot a film series, right? I like it when they acknowledge, they don't make it crazy like, well, his name is Larry Parker and he lives in Paris <laughs> and, you know, he's, you know, like, okay, you can update it, but just there's certain things that you have to do with a story and then as much, as close as you can uh, remain faithful to that, look at the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. I mean, that's not right. how you make a Catwoman movie, far. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's I, that's why I prefer the mechanical. Hit, hit me up a little bit about the, the Web Shooter 2.0. I didn't know that the cartridges uh, moved into place. Where did, how did you research well, I, that? Yeah, one? no, I was, I was doing some research on that. I forget exactly yep. which, uh, which bit I saw where it was kind of illustrating how they could do that. But um, sort of the Web Shooter 2.0 where... Um, you know, an improved version of that where he would be able to sort of like um, not have to keep refilling it. And it really, you know, from a comic book standpoint, um, the way a web shooter would work is it would have endless, it has endless webbing up until the point when you don't have webbing for dramatic purposes. So, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, I think that there is some comic that had, I forget which, but acknowledged that, um, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't need to be seen on screen constantly refilling it because of uh, the 2.0. Yeah, I, I always thought he had, I guess he still has it on his utility belt, but once the ones in his uh, uh, shooter is out, I guess he reloads that way. I, yeah, it, yeah. It's this minutia that us fans <laughs> look over and over and wonder how it works, but the yeah, dude's exactly. climbing a wall. How much, you're in for a penny and for a pound on that one. Yeah, no, Another, uh, another favorite bit that I liked is how you properly web swing and uh, the the panel on the right hand side where he uh, this angry New York resident is upset that his neighborhood is covered in webs. You never see that you in never the books. See that. No, you never see when Spider Man swings through town and it's covered in cobwebs. You always see the web is just nicely yeah. dissolved. Yeah, there is there is some acknowledgement in the comics that they yeah. do dissolve over time, which is which is. Fine, hour, but they yeah. can't they can't dissolve instantly because Spider Man might need right. him for something. And therefore, after he passes through an area, you'd see all of this stuff. And and exactly. um it would just be you know, like in the movies or something when he's swinging down the street and you just be walking you'd be walking, you know, you just got off the subway and you're heading down to your office or whatever, you go, Yeah, uh, yep, Spider Man was here, you know? It just <laughs> You couldn't miss it. It'd be all over the place. Imagine you're the guy who has to like clean the outside of the skyscraper or whatever, and you'd be the, the window yeah. crew or something like that. Ah, Spider-Man. Uh. And tips to avoid for web slinging, the windshield bug was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. you smack up against the wall. Exactly. Yeah. And I did like in the uh, first uh, Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire movie, where he's figuring out how to web swing. And, mm. and you know, the, nice. yeah, there's a, actually some science behind this, right? But, you know, you've got to do it right. You need the arc of the swing to be okay or you're gonna the knee burner right the <laughs> the windshield bug uh the pavement eater or the i need a push right if you can't quite get there because of your momentum <laughs> i think there's and and, and and from from uh peter parker being a, a guy who uh, is science-minded you know i like to imagine that He's good at that because he's, you know, thinking in his head. He's calculating his uh, angular momentum and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Uh, another f- one of my favorite bits was uh, 
spider stickiness. And I love that you never you never see it in the comics, but he often does it. The spider butt can stick to a wall. <laughs> I remember seeing a comic a long time yeah. ago where he was he was basically doing that. I think he was on a uh, he was reading a newspaper on on the side of a skyscraper, and he was kind of yeah. leaning forward, holding the newspaper, and basically the only thing that was sticking in there were the bottom of his feet and his butt. And I'm like, well, geez, I guess his butt is sticky. It has to be, right? Yeah. You know? The, the image that you have in here is he's at a movie theater and he's sitting on the ceiling with his butt and two drinks and I guess I guess that's two drinks yeah and yeah. popcorn. Yeah, no, I, I like to imagine that uh, that would be the way that uh, Spider-Man could go to see the movies because uh, <laughs> you know, like if he was sitting down in seats, people would come up and bother him, right? But he's sitting up there and, and nobody's even going to notice notice he's there, and uh, you know, uh, he's he's fine with it, you know. Here, that's, here's that's another uh, obscure thing Spider-Man fans. Uh, Argue about or, or it's minutia. You say that he can't he can't wear shoes and stick to walls, but he how can he wear his little boots or wear, how can he wear his boots and stick to walls? Well, I always imagine because I'm pretty sure yeah. that he can't wear shoes is a thing. For, like I've seen enough comics and I can't remember which one yeah. offhand, but I've seen enough comics where he has to take his shoes when he's Peter. He yeah. has to take his yeah. shoes off to do something if he's not in his costume for some reason. You know, he just needs to do something as Peter. And he's got a wall. He'll take his shoes off and he'll tie the laces together and he'll sling them over his neck or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there must yeah. be some reason why I can't do that. So my assumption is that, you know, the, uh, the field of stickiness, because, um, I think in this book I, I mentioned that, you know, he's using the scapula or whatever, but obviously there's more to it than that. There's some sort of a, a tensile field that he's generating in right. Marvel comic science that is, uh, allowing him to do that. And so I would speculate that that field is a little thicker around his feet that can extend over the edge of those little boots that he wears. And the boots are probably not super thick anyway, right? They're probably, you know, you know. Uh, I was envisioning the Tobey Maguire movie with the, the spinnerets coming out, the, the microscopic tight shot of where he first climbs the wall. You see those little pinchers are coming out of his Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably true, but I, I would also argue that there's probably something, you know, there's some, you know, force fieldy thing also going on at the same time, you know, yeah. not to get too comic booky about it, but I, I, I think <laughs> that there's something, um, uh, I, I don't know, that there's some, uh, yeah. I think that, I think that there's some acknowledgement of that, that you can't necessarily remove Spider-Man from things too, unless you want to, you know, he can actually stick to things and then you try to dislodge him. Um, like if the thing was trying to pull Spider-Man off of the building, the thing could probably pull him off, but he'd pull part of the building off too. Right. You know, instead of exactly. just Spider-Man's hands. Uh, another section of the book is Spider-Man's Guide to New York City. Talk about the addresses or how you pick the locations, like Mary Jane's Upper West Side apartment. Well, that's actually from, uh, I think that's from the Guide to the Marvel Universe. So we were talking okay. about earlier that Marvel handbook back in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. Marvel did a, you know, this wonderful, wonderful series of, uh, of old handbooks and that. And in that series, they did a lot of Spider-Man stuff. They had like a diagram of Spider-Man's web shooters, which is one of the things I referred to for the web shooters. They had a diagram of like Spider-Man's utility belt. And I think I referred to yep. that as well. And then they had a map of New York city. And on the map, they identified things like here's where Avengers mansion is. Here's where the fantastic four Baxter building is. Here's where Spider-Man's apartment is, here's where the deal with Google is, and here's where Mary Jane's apartment is. And I took those directly mm-hmm. off of that um, cool. because I want to be as, as faithful to sort of uh, the traditions of Spider-Man as possible. And then I updated it with some other uh, new things 
like Horizon Labs, I was identified in the comic. It had a specific location, and then some of the stuff was just fun, like, um, you know, this is an ice slide left over from an ice. I think Iceman would be way more <laughs> annoying to have in New York City than Spider-Man. Like, I leave a, a mountain of ice behind. Imagine yes. how long that's going to take to melt. <laughs> As a fan man. of Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I appreciated that reference. So. Yeah. There's, I also live in New York. I, I included a reference on the Statue of Liberty, which was... Uh, you know yeah. where uh, the Human Torch and, and Spider-Man like to uh, like to meet, uh, which is another uh, little bit I like that uh, you know from the comics and some of those. That uh, just that just happened in the most recent issue that came out, Amazing Spider-Man number two. Oh no, that's great! I haven't read that one yet, but that, that's yeah, it just great. came out. They met it. They met there in that issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, let's see what another section I like: uh, the Hall of Shame villains. <laughs> <laughs> the and, kangaroo. And I, yeah, exactly. I called them the Hall of Shame villains, and I, and I um I almost felt a little bad, but that was more like Spidey calling them the Hall of Shame. I think he would be a little snarky about it, but I actually like yeah. a lot of the Hall of Shame villains. But and I Me put too. the let me see, I put the villain Hall of Shame. The ones that are in here are Trapster, Living Brain, Kangaroo, Gibbon, Grizzly, and Leapfrog. And uh, <laughs> I like the fact that he's got so many. Spidey has so many villains, uh, and it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, and then the one thing that's interesting about Spider-Man is uh, most of them are animal-based. Not all of them, but very yeah. most of them are animal-based. So I made a joke about that as well, which is, you know, here's the villains that Spider-Man has not yet faced. And so, you know, if you, reading this book, want to become a supervillain, and you could be in my Rose Gallery, you know, well, good luck. But, you know, here's some things to get you started. You could be Proboscis Monkey, Naked Mole <laughs> Rat. The Google-eyed bass, you know, these are these are real, these are real animals. So, you know, the punctual me, pony, yeah, punctual pony, yes, <laughs> the mechanical flatworm. So, you know, that's a take a little bit. Uh, yeah. The the evil uh, ax, axolotl, which is uh, you know a South American amphibian. So, you know, Good. I had no clue so, what that was. <laughs> yes. And the four-toed sloth. That's a three-toed sloth. The four-toed sloth, because the oh. fourth toe is made of adamantium. Of course yeah, it is. That's the weapon. Universe. That's exactly. So that's <laughs> And uh, you have a nice bit about the art of witty banter with a nice shot of Stegron in here for yes. us older fans that loves the living dinosaur. Yeah, Stegron. Uh, yeah. Talk a bit about the, the art of witty banter. And on, on, on this two-page spread, you also have a business card where you can pull out that Spider-Man often attaches to criminals that are in a web. It says, courtesy of your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. It's really cool. Yeah, I like that, that bit because the thing about Spider-Man is he's often sort of derided by, not only by J. Jonah Jameson, but by, you know, officials and things. And they're like, oh, Spider-Man, he's a menace and all that. But he, he does everything that he can to not be perceived as that, to be perceived as a, as a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? And so I think yeah. that his, his take on it is, again, speaking to you, the reader, because you're in this book because you also want to become a superhero like Spider-Man, that he's saying, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a purpose behind the witty banter. You know, it's not just me right. making jokes. It's also, you know, I want to be perceived as, you know, the funny one, you know, the nice one, uh, the approachable one. Uh, and also, uh, you know, it can, it can help you in fights. You know, it just makes your enemies even angrier, right, as they're fighting you. And then there's a little bit, um, you know, courtesy of your friend, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you know, um, not only am I, I'm not threatening, you know, I'm giving you this little card, but I'm also local. I'm your friendly neighborhood. Spider. <laughs> I'm not part of these King. I'm not the Walmart of Spider. I'm local. I'm a locally owned business, you know? Yes. Patronize me, so, not these other guys. Support your local superhero of New York exactly, City. Yes. Yeah, Very yeah. nice. Especially in New York City. Uh, 
<laughs> Another bit I liked was the things that Spider Sense doesn't warn you about, such as Episode One Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was actually a joke that I was wondering if. Uh, or you asked me earlier about the uh, about the things that I wasn't sure if uh, they were gonna yeah. Marvel was gonna let through, and they actually let that joke through. And it wasn't what I thought. Where let me? I gotta find the page here quick because the idea was things that. Uh, Spider Sense doesn't warn you about. So it was sort of a, a little joke about, um, you know, uh, the fact that uh, Peter has a spider sense and it's just all over the place. You know, sometimes it helps right. him with, uh, about danger and so on, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I wrote a joke in here about, you know, just funny things that it's not going to warn you about, like, um, you know, when the bakery I like is about to run out of cronuts, right? It's not going to warn you about that, Spider-Man. You know, you got to think. Um, and then uh, one of the jokes in there was... Uh, whether a movie sequel will live up to the promise of the original or whether it'll be an overstuffed mess with too many villains and some baffling script decisions. So <laughs> I put that in there, like, and here's the thing. When uh, when Mirko illustrated it, he, he put in a, a very close reference to uh, Star Wars. So the reading on it, as you read it, was, oh, it was a joke about the Phantom Menace. When I wrote it down on paper, I was actually trying to make a joke about Spider-Man 3. Oh, <laughs> it's an overstuffed mess with too many villains oh. and some baffling script decisions. And I actually, nice. I, I don't hate Spider-Man three, but I do think it was had too many villains and it had some baffling script decisions. So yeah. I wrote that down on paper. And I gave no direction to, as to how to illustrate it because I thought Marvel's going to see through it and they're going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't, and it turned into Star Wars joke instead, which is and it, it funny. Looks like also, it looks like the Hobbit is behind Darth Vader. The Raider Hobbit, also. yeah. I think I think uh, Mirko was. Uh, interpreting it in his own thing. And I think we got Gandalf and Darth Vader in there. So uh, it also works on that sense. Um, but uh, it was my little sort of fan joke about Spider-Man 3, which I don't think is nearly as bad as a lot of people call it, but I do think they could have cut down the uh, amount of villains in that one and made it yeah. a lot tighter. Um, and uh, uh, but yeah. I, actually, I actually think Spider-Man as a movie character has has been doing pretty well uh, when you compare them to like other superhero franchises and so on. Like the, the batting like average the really or high. something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, a couple others uh, when it's time to rotate your tires on Spider Mobile, I think that's awesome. Yes, yes, it's not going to tell you that. So you know, you just got to go out and you got to <laughs> check. You know, uh, put a penny in the tread and see. You know, it's just the old fashioned way to do it. Wor- Worcestershire, I can't say that very easily either. The correct pronunciation of Worcestershire sauce. Uh, no, I, I know. you got to yeah. Google it or something like that. And, and spider <laughs> Sense is not going to tell you that. Yeah. And Spider Sense doesn't warn you about uh, which of the two hot dog carts is the least likely to give maybe intestinal per, uh, parasites. Parasite, That's true. Yes. And it also does not tell you if your dentist is going to guilt trip you in a flock. <laughs> because he's probably going to. And so every time you go to the dentist, have you been flossing? And you lie and you say, yes, I've been flossing. And, of course, you haven't. We, and he we gives you that all, look. And, you know, I mean. Yeah, we all lie on that one. <laughs> yeah, we all lie on that. Even Peter lies on that one. Oh, yes. He's he's conflicted with the responsibility of telling the truth, but we all lie about that yes, one. Yes, uh, yes. Also about if I'm approaching the monthly data cap for my online service plan, which was very funny. <laughs> I thought that was yes, cute. Yes. Um, let's see. Another thing I like, uh, you already talk about the secret identity. And a very nice reference to what if your secret identity is compromised, you just go to Doctor Strange and he <laughs> oh, yeah, wipes, yeah. 
<laughs> wipes the minds of everybody. That yes, he's done that. Persuade Doctor Strange to drop a mind control whammy on everyone in the city, giving them selective <laughs> amnesia. Which, of course, is exactly what happened. But uh, it is, uh, yeah. You know. And I love the illustration that Mirko did on this, which is uh, which is Peter kneeling before Doctor Strange with his hands <laughs> supplicated in prayer before Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like looking down on him with his arms folded, like what? Yeah, like <laughs> again? I mean, what? come on, yeah, again. <laughs> Uh, the next page, uh, you have uh, some uh, cut headlines from the Daily Bugle is one of the things that you can pull out, which is very nice. Yeah, those are fun because there's only three of them in here. They're Spider-Man, Threat, or Menace, which, of course, is, you know, we know that one. Uh, the subhead is, but where does J. Jameson stand? See, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where he stands. Uh, the next one was uh, Deadbeat, New York Public Library Claims Masked Menace Never Returned Entomology Textbook. And the, next, <laughs> the, the, the subhead is... Also, he threw a car through our atrium, adds librarian. Uh, and the last one is uh, Spider-Man Bites Dog. Now, that's a story for journalism professor. If anybody's ever taken a journalism class, you know, the, uh, the classic yes. journalism headline is Man Bites Dog, not Dog Bites Man, and this is Spider-Man right. Bites Dog. The fun thing about writing these headlines was there's only three of them in here, but I came up with 15, and most, of them, are, they're, they're, most of them are so good. But uh, but no, uh, and there are tons of like little references and stuff in the headlines, but we kind of ran out of room for them. Um, so it, it, in the course of doing a book like this, you end up overwriting, uh, and then that's not all bad because hopefully the stuff that remains is uh, the best stuff, more yeah. solid. Yeah, I never knew the Daily Bugle had a uh, Christmas tree up all year long. That was something I learned. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never seen that either, but I figured that that would be a, that. a good awesome. joke. That uh, uh, this would be something that Jay, John, and Jameson one year was convinced to put up a Christmas tree by somebody. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to take it down and put it back up again. You know, like, right. what, who's got time for that? Like, well, you know, we'll just leave it up. It's just easier that way. Cost savings. Yeah, he's well, cheap, yeah. He's cheap. Nice uh, nice putting Frederick Foswell in there. That was nice for us yeah. longtime fans. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a, a little subtle, uh, there's a, a photo <laughs> wall of, uh, uh, yeah. there's, a little, there's a little bit of an ominous aspect to the Daily Planet, you know, uh, Frederick Foswell was big man. Uh, Ned <laughs> Leeds was framed for being the hobgoblin. Uh, Phil Urich, yeah. reporter, exposed as a new hobgoblin. You know, I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you also uh, another pullout is the business card of J. Jonah Jameson, General Lissimo. I like is on his card. Yes, yes. He says uh, J. Jonah Jameson, publisher, editor, editor in chief, and General Lissimo are his are his three <laughs> titles. We've got the address on there. And we've got his phone number, uh, uh, and then we have his email. Normally, on a normal business card, it has your your phone number and your email address. And for Jonah, it says uh, phone number is two one two five 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 seven two one zero, and email address is don't you dare. <laughs> hey, Jonah Jameson does not have an email address, and he does not want you to use it. He is not he is not that kind of guy. You either come and you talk to him in person, or you use the phone like an like an American. Uh, no- Another nice one is where do the clothes go? When you get a change into Spider-Man, you web it up. You show the steps of how he webs up his clothes inside of a web net. Yes, uh, that was always one of the things. And they actually do, you know, I have acknowledged that multiple times in the comics how that works. But I always thought it was just amusing that, um, you know, that he actually thinks about that, you know. And uh, this is how you do it, you know. Um, make sure that nobody sees you changing, right? You, you you web it up nicely. You know, the wallet and the phone, they go in your shoes. The shoes go in your pants. You know, it's like going through airport security, you know. Uh, and then you web it up and you stick it somewhere, right? But, of course, um, uh, over the years, he's been superheroing for so long that all kinds of 
wacky things that go wrong. So, of course, it illustrated that America did a great job of, uh, you know, you know, here's one thing that can go wrong is you retrieve your clothes and they're covered in webbing, right? You're going out to dinner. So, you know, you're like, you, you find a bundle that you think is your bundle and it's actually the bundle that you put up there like 10 years ago. And so inside right. this bundle is a, a giant cell phone, a pair of <laughs> parachute pants and a t-shirt that says Frankie says relax. Um, From Frankie goes Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Frankie goes, or, um, you forget about them and then, uh, people find them and they start wearing them. So there's a panel in here of just, Homeless people who are all dressed like Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, and then you also you find other people who web up their clothes like Spider Woman. Yeah, so Spider nice Woman is, is coming to get her her bundle of clothes <laughs> because she needs to change out of it. And there's Peter yep. trying to try them on, and yeah, that's not going to work for you. Okay. The the other pull out that I like is the uh, the Horizon Labs quick reference cards. And uh, so what if you become unstuck in time? And it has some uh, suggestions on what to do on the back. That's pretty Yeah, that cute. was fun. It was an idea. Yeah. This was going to be longer, but we actually cut it down to these little reference cards. But the idea is, um, you know, the spread is about science. You know, here's all the comic booky things that happen in science. And so, you know, yep. kind of the jokes that we make are, you know, uh, uh, Reed Richards is, is talking about things like uh, things that Reed has come up with, like the alliterative appellation axiom, which is, People who have the same initials and their first and last names score unusually <laughs> high on the heroic propensity scale. So, of course, right. R.R. Reed Richards and P.P. Peter Parker. And then too late to arrive in the spread is Daredevil. You know, he's Matt, just almost Matt Murdock, yeah. a photo, Matt Murdock, <laughs> but he didn't make it quite in time. He didn't make it. Um, but on the same thing, we have these little cards, and one of them is, um, so you've become unstuck in time. You know, <laughs> So there's a couple <laughs> of reference points, you know. Uh, bullet one is uh, certain eras of the past are time friendly. These include the old West, ancient Rome and the late Cretaceous. Because of course, <laughs> if you go travel in time in a comic book, exactly where you're going to go. Yep. <laughs> it's exactly. always the old always. West. It's always, or it's ancient Rome or it's dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, the, the next one was, uh, if you're going to the future, most people in the future will be updated versions of whoever you're familiar with in the present day, <laughs> but with cyborg arms and eye patches. Exactly. <laughs> you meet all your, your rogues and all that, and, uh, you know, they'll be descendants of who you know. So during your, your time traveling, you're guaranteed to meet at least one fascinating ancestor and or descendant, because, of course, you know. You really, that happens oh my all God. comics. <laughs> my great-great-great-great-grandfather, of course. Uh, the next Just part is, uh, so, you're on an un- so you're on an unfamiliar planet. Um, and my inspiration for this is, of course, you know, uh, uh, the, the secret wars or uh, right. uh, something like that. You know, odds are the gravity and the atmosphere will be exactly the same as they are on Earth. <laughs> of course, they yep. will be. Uh, and all animals on plants will try to eat you regardless of their cuteness quotient because that's the <laughs> other the thing. Oh, look at the little cute little bunny. And then, of course, it jumps on you, you know. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, if you're on an unfamiliar planet, there is approximately a two-thirds chance you're on a battle world and we'll be forced to fight other wars. captives for the amusement <laughs> of a higher being. Um, I was yeah. also thinking of a comic that I forget which one it was called, but uh, super enjoyable comic that came out about five years ago. It was a sort of takeoff on that when uh, Spider-Man was in it and uh, a superhero called Gravity. And uh, do you remember this one? It's called Beyond. 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 Yeah, it was yeah. inspired by Secret Wars and Beyond right, and right. all that. But it was a uh, it was a hugely fun kind of throwback comic, and I was actually had that in my. I'd reread it recently, and I had that in my mind while I was working on this book. But I love the uh, comics where they just do stuff like that. You know, take a bunch of. Uh, 
heroes and villains and, and put them in an unfamiliar environment and just let them loose. That was that was fun. I also liked the Lee's Uncertainty Principle. Obviously, a reference to Stan Lee on that one. Yes, the Lee's Uncertainty Principle is this. Uh, if you expose the human body to radiation, it will trigger utterly random but <laughs> largely beneficial effects. Like if you get bit by a radioactive spider, you know, that's, you know it, it's good. You know, you get super strong, you get all these other things. Right. But, of course, the corollary, if you try to replicate the same effects under controlled laboratory conditions, you will suffer a tragic, ironic fate under the karmic corollary, you know. So every time, you know, Peter, of course, gains spider powers, but every time somebody's like, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get bit by a radioactive spider, they turn into a giant spider, they turn into a horde of spiders, they turn into some horrible, awful spider thing happens because you can't replicate it, you know. This is one of the comic book ironclad laws. This whole section is written by uh, Reed Richards as if he's a... Sort of explaining comic book science to you, uh, you know, the reader. Uh, the, the other one on this page was uh, thematic predestination, which is uh, basically don't get born with a bad name, <laughs> like Victor Von Doom. You know, yeah, I know that was just bad from the outside. It was a, right. Uh, so there's a picture of this care, this uh, girl. Uh, unfortunately, the girl's name is Addison Evil. <laughs> Addison McEvil. <laughs> what were your parents thinking? It's already too late. Yeah. Likelihood of supervillainy, 87.9%. Now, I have to say my favorite pullout of the whole book is Aunt May's wheat cake recipe. <laughs> Not, I probably won't make this, but I've just uh, it's always been a secret, and it's nice to finally get it in print if you want to make it. Yes, Tell me Aunt how May's you wheat cake re- recipe was super fun. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the wheat cakes, of course, is, uh, you know, the very first issue of uh, Amazing, uh, Fantasy, Amazing Fantasy number 15 was, um, you know, the origin and, it's like the first panel, I think, is uh, Peter sitting down with Uncle Ben and Aunt May and, um, you know, Aunt May saying, why don't you have some more wheat cakes, Petey, you know? And yeah. that's just always been the thing, like the wheat cakes, right? And who says wheat mm-hmm. cakes, you know? Like pancakes, you know? It's just wheat cakes for some reason. So this is Aunt May. Peter's being really nice, and he's giving Aunt May um, a spread uh, in this book to, to write, you know? And I, m- my assumption was that, Amy really had no idea what this was, was or what she was doing. She was just like, oh, Peter wants me to do something. Oh, that's so nice. You know, so she just yeah. came up with something, right? So she gives her um, her Aunt May's tummy tickling wheat cakes, a Parker family <laughs> tradition, a recipe, along with yeah. uh, embarrassing uh, photos of Peter from uh, from his childhood growing up. So there's actually this uh, long real recipe for wheat cakes, which, uh, you know, goes on. It's two eggs and melted butter and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, turn over for the secret ingredient. Of course, this is Aunt May. You know, it's going yeah. to be cute, right? So you it's turn so over for the secret yeah. ingredient. The secret ingredient is lots and lots of love. You make Aww. me so proud. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Aunt May, you know? You know? Uh, come That's on. so sweet. I'm not – have you ever had a wheat cake? Is it similar to a pancake or the same thing? I am not – I I have I think it's I don't know I'm af- I, I'm afraid that I would destroy the mystique if I actually ate. I basically I think it's it's more or less the same thing as a pancake but I I feel like it's one of those yeah. like regional 1960s kind of terms like when uh, okay. you know Stan Lee or somebody was you know like that might have been something that was a term that was used but now it's just kind of like what you know and that's one of how the reasons you, why it sticks around. How did you go about making the recipe? I mean, did you actually make, the, make no, this? No, or? the recipe was somewhere. It was published. I found oh, okay. it. I found it. Oh, you found that it. Was okay. A, a real Marvel Comics deal. I found <laughs> I was prepared to make up a wheat cake recipe. I was going to go on right. like 
BettyCrocker.com and like try to <laughs> try to extrapolate one. And what I yeah. found when I was researching it, there was a comic book. It was like a Spider-Man annual from a long time ago I bet you where they had it in there. We have a Spider-Man number three annual. I bet you it's got a black, big black suit with a bunch of heads on yeah, it. Yeah, no, that, that might have been it. But uh, yeah, I yeah, can look no. it up again. But that, I actually got the agreement because I figured if – Marvel has already published a Lee K. Crispy. I gotta use that. We, you know, I don't want to just come up. With, I, I really do want to like remain consistent with continuity as much as possible. Here's here's a suggestion to the listeners today. If you make this recipe, you go out and buy the book. You make the recipe. Please send me a picture of it and send it to crawlspacemail at gmail.com and take a picture. I'll put it on the front page that you made wheat cakes from this book. <laughs> and then also, also think, say whether they're good or not, I guess. Exactly. We we have not, neither of us have tried the wheat cake recipe. So if you do make uh, them, don't forget the secret ingredient, which is lots of love. Lots of L-O-V-E love, yes. Uh, not, couple final sections is uh, Venom takes over a two-page spread, and I, I loved how he says, if you've touched this page, you now have symbiote inside you. Yes, the, the pages, pages are black. black. Yeah, so if yeah. You, you turn awesome. the page, which of course you have, and congratulations, you're now infected by an alien symbiote. So basically, nice. my excuse for doing the Venom section was just to do a bunch of 1990s comic book jokes, because, you know, <laughs> it was the dark and gritty and, you know, the anti-hero and that, so... It was just, and I love those kind of comics too. But they're, it's, it's funny to kind of like poke fun at them a little bit. So um, all this was uh, Venom being, you know, as over the top Venomy as possible with the drool and the long tongue, and uh, you know him just being just completely in your face about it. And also, when you talk, one of my favorite parts of that two-page spread is the weaknesses, the sonic vibrations. You have a little tricycle illustration with the with the <laughs> the. Uh, the Exactly, yeah. the tricycles can uh, take venom out with the little yeah, bell. I mean, I was just I was trying to think of like weaknesses, and so you know that uh, uh, symbiotes and venom is vulnerable to chronic vibrations. So, like yeah. a, a you know a, the bells, right? And so right. my joke was that after having been exposed to that in the comic books enough times, he would be super paranoid about bells in general. So he's he's giving you the person who has been infected by the alien symbiote advice, and he's like. You know, you have a weakness now, sonic vibrations. you got to keep your distance from car alarms, grandfather clocks, <laughs> holiday renditions of Carol of the Bells, right? And those little ringy things on bicycles, better safe, tricycles, sorry, better safe than sorry. You know, like, nice. don't even, don't even mess with it. And then, of course, Big Ben, you know. Don't, don't, <laughs> if you're in London, yeah, you know where not to visit. Exactly. And then you wrap up the book where Spider-Man gives you a quiz if you're ready to be a superhero, which is very cute. Yeah, it was it was fun because a, a quiz is, are you ready to be a superhero? There's a, a, you know 20 questions in here, and then there's a multiple choice answers. And uh, um, basically, uh, if you answer one way, you're pretty boring, and you're not ready to be a superhero. <laughs> answer one way, you're interesting, but oh my God, you're, you're actually going to be a villain. Uh, and then the other the other way is uh, you know you're going to be a, a hero. So it was just a lot of fun to come up with um, uh, multiple yeah. choice and what would be the um, what would be the supervillain's answer? What would be the superhero's answer? And what would Bob and Accounting's answer be? <laughs> Very cool. We've got uh, some message board and a couple of Facebook questions for you. Let me uh, go to those. 
uh, locked down from Illinois. Uh, he says, hey, Daniel, I love the plan for this book. I'm kind of a detailed person when it comes to researching characters on my vidcasts and my wikis. What, what is your strategy for getting all this wonderful information? How do you double or even triple check your info? Also, what character was your favorite to research? Uh, I'd love to, I'm pretty detail oriented too, and I'm not above, you know, that I might make a mistake or that I, you know, I might, uh, get something wrong because I've certainly done enough projects where I have done that. But I'm also, you know, I, I kind of have the same mindset, which is I started out as a fan before I started writing books, um, as a professional and I'm still a fan, you know? So, yeah. and I used to, you know, really be into that, you know, if they got a, a, a detail wrong, um, you know, I would be the person who wrote in and said, hey, you know, you realize you're editing this detail wrong. So I think I have that same mindset. I do try to double and triple check things, and I try to go to the original source as much as possible. Um, sometimes I might Wikipedia something, and it will say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, the living laser was in this comic book, but then I'll, I'll find the comic book, you know, I'll read the, the thing so I can yeah. actually get it from the source. Um, it, it, sometimes I miss something, um, and sometimes comics in particular have so many... Uh, different incarnations that they've already contradicted themselves. So even if I got that living right here thing correct, you know, there might have been some later comic book that was, you know, different. But um, I guess the, the answer is I mostly just take the universe seriously, even though this is more of a humor book that, you know, like with the wheat cakes thing, I'm like, I could come up with hmm. something on my own, but if they are, Marvel already has one, I should use that. You know, like this is, yeah. you know, I'm, it's it's a jokey book and a funny book, but I, I do like the character. I'm not trying to poke fun of him. I, I'm really trying to be as authentic as possible, as if if Peter was given the opportunity to actually do something like this, how would it turn out if it was if it took place in the Marvel universe? And that's the point of view that I'm coming from as a fan. Was there a bit of one fact that you just had to research more than others, or one thing that you kept hitting brick walls about? Well, I, I, there's a couple of spreads in here about web shooters and web slinging. So I think I spent uh-huh. a lot of time on that, like actually, um, cause I, I decided to put a, you know, several things in there about the powers and so on and how they work and, and so on. And, mm-hmm. um, I actually, uh, you know, was really getting into the, the history and the, the lore behind the web shooters and what they can and can't do and, you know, how long they last and, and, different types of things that Peter's been able to use and so on. And it's, you know, it's pretty interesting stuff because, if you think about Peter as a uh, inventor and so on, um, yeah. If he, he, let's say he had never gotten the uh, spider powers, he could have invented the web fluid anyway, right? That didn't have anything yeah. to do with it, and he could have become Pace Pot Pete, basically, <laughs> you know, on his own like that. You, there, but for the grace wow. of God, was Peter Parker. He even has the same name. <laughs> yeah, he could have been. He could literally have been Pace Pot Pete. <laughs> Uh, he, his other question was about what was your favorite character to research? Uh, well, I like all, you know, the rogues gallery of, of Spider-Man is, is absolutely my favorite. So I, you know, I was researching all the different rogues in here. So even, even people like Hammerhead and that, you know, that you don't think about as, as A-list villains, but I, I really like them in here. Um, in general, I think the villains are fun to research and, and read about the stories and, um, the, the one thing, and this is why I think Spider-Man is probably the best character that Marvel Comics has. I, and I yeah. think I can say that with, with confidence because even though I think Cap might be my favorite sentimental character, I think, I think Spider-Man is the best character that Marvel has because 
he's he's such a great character. He's very optimistic. Everybody knows him. He's very relatable. And he has such a great group of villains that people can re you know, you can tell so many stories about it. Because you can tell a Peter you can tell a Spider Man story where he's just fighting somebody at random. Uh but you can tell a Doc Ock story or you can tell a you know, a Craven story, you can tell an uh, Electro story, you can tell a uh, Scorpion story, and that's so much fun because you can bring these things back. It's like if you're doing a Batman thing, you know, you can have Batman fighting thugs, or you can do a Joker story. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, a Joker story. You know, like, you, you know, all of a sudden you sit up because you need great villains for great heroes, and not all um, comic book characters, I think you can say that about. They don't have great villains. Right. And with uh, Marvel, um, I think, uh, you know, I think Peter has the best villains. Yeah. Javi Trujillo from Austin, Texas says, uh, do you feel that the Parker luck gets overplayed in Spider-Man, be it in comics, games, or movies? Uh, the Parker luck as in like his, his luck in love, you know, because that's sometimes how he uses that term. But uh, Yeah, that and, and he doesn't get a job or he misses a picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Doug shucks that Parker luck. Well, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think... I like – see, I don't think it gets overplayed in that I like the fact that Peter – I prefer Peter who doesn't have any money. You know, I actually <laughs> like that because I, because he yeah. lives in New York and he's young and um, and for some times in the comics, you know, he's living at uh, Stark Tower and he's with the Avengers and, you know, he's mm-hmm. – basically he can call upon any resource that he wants in the world. and um, I think if you take him too far away from that, I, I prefer it where he doesn't have the resources to call on with that, or he's too proud. You know, like he's not going to do it because it's not where he comes from, and he's right. you know live kind of in a crappy apartment, and you know, because that's what I think we like about Peter is that you know with great power comes with great responsibility, and he has to do. Um, you know, really, in order to get by, if he's kind of struggling to pay his rent, his responsibility is to pay his rent. He should be going out to work right. every day, you know? But he can't yep. do that because he has these powers. So he has to go out and do this, which means he's going to miss the deadline, which means he's not going to get the photos to J. Jonah Jameson, which means he's not going to get paid, which means he's going to get evicted. And these <laughs> are the kind of problems that I, I really yep. like about his conflicted, that he chooses the life of the heroism uh, over the life of you know, I got bills to pay. And uh, that's why whenever that comes up in the comics and something bad happens to him, um, I usually like that. I like the sort of downtrodden thing, but he doesn't despair. He, he keeps up the good fight. He also has a question about uh, what did you think of the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie? I thought it was – I liked it a lot. The only this thing I yep. didn't like about it was I didn't like the um, – I thought they could have cut out the subplot about his parents. And not yeah. lost anything from the movie. I thought that was made a little overlong. I would have, I would have lost the entire thing about Richard and Mary, um, and mm-hmm. just focused on everything else. But everything else I thought was really good. Um, my favorite thing that I loved about that movie, and uh, it was a little corny and it was a little, you know, over the top, and a little, but got, you know, it really got to me was the last five minutes where yeah. he was gone and the little kid, you know, the rhino comes in and the little kid goes beyond the police barrier 
And I know it's all corny. Of course, it wouldn't have happened in real life. And yet, uh, the little kid goes out there and he's wearing a Spider-Man costume. And he just stands, he stands the guy down because Spider-Man is his inspiration. And the real Spider-Man <laughs> shows up and he's like, he passed my phone. He's like, I got this one, kid. Yeah, go take care of your mom. And I was just like, right. I was sitting there in the theater, like, oh my god, this is this is why I like superheroes. <laughs> this is exactly why I like superheroes. And then he goes and he, he goes into it with Rhino and he's boom, 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 and then it cuts out. It's exactly what I want to see. That was a per- I was I was pumping my fist at that moment because that is what I love about superheroes, and that is what and I love Superman. I told you at the beginning, Superman my, my right. favorite superhero of all time. If they had put a scene like that in Man of Steel, it would have made it. It would have made it so much. Superman is supposed to be inspirational. I agree. And they didn't have anything I inspirational. I, I like parts of it, but they didn't have anything inspirational like that where you saw the effect that a superhero could have on kids and on everything else. And, you know, um, you know, Spider-Man's not here, so I'm going to be Spider-Man. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what he would yeah. do in this situation. And God, I love that, man. That just got to me. <laughs> it just got, it warmed my little Grinch heart. It grew three sizes when I saw that. I love that. As a, as a detailed oriented person like you are, did you notice the clock at the end of the death scene? Uh, no, I don't think so. What was the car? What happened? You know, when she spoiler when Gwen dies. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. But what happened? If, if you pull, if you pull out to the clock scene where he's in the clock, the hand of the clock is on one twenty one for the issue number referenced. Oh no way! <laughs> Go watch it again. They they Are specifically. Are you serious? Oh, that's it. Oh, I did not notice that. Oh my god, I yeah. love that. I love that because that's exactly the kind of. See, this yeah. is why I like references like that because sometimes if somebody makes a reference and it's it's obtrusive, an obtrusive reference is something where you don't know, you don't get it, but you're like, what was that a reference to? Like you know that they made a reference and you don't get it exactly. and it's distracting. That's the kind of reference where it's completely whatever. It's a clock. Of course, it has to be showing some sort of time, but it yeah. is a secret reference, so it's not an, at all distracting and it's exactly the perfect <laughs> kind of reference. I got to go back and I got to see that. That's amazing. Right. Uh, Big Al from uh, Edgeware, uh, what is the most obscure thing you researched about the book? I guess the web slinging is what you kind of referenced earlier. No, I, th- I think so, and I mean, you know, when I was yeah. working on the other book about uh, the character guide to Spider-Man, I was, we had a bunch of characters that were, were put in there, and, you know, some of them were super obscure, like uh, Marcy Kane and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was going yeah. back into these, you know, comics that I hadn't read um, from, like, the 70s where, you know, Peter was... Uh, going to college and stuff like there's a bunch of runs of, of things that I hadn't even read before. Um, and, uh, and they're, and they're great, you know, like, um, the, the interesting thing about reading old Spider-Man comics is, uh, how much the art style changes. So like mm-hmm. you can read comics from the nineties and you're like, yeah, these are from the nineties. You know, you get the McFarland thing and you read it from the eighties and you're like, yeah, this is, and you read it from the seventies and that. And, um, and there's a real uh, change in artistic stuff, and I think there's a, and I can't remember any issue off the top of my head, but, you know, like late late 60s, early 1970s might be my favorite uh, artistic mm. style for, for comics. Like, there's some really, there's just like really eye-catching, just gorgeous stuff that was being produced around there. Right. I think that that was, you know, d- diving into the history of the character. Uh, people forget, because it feels very fresh and contemporary, that, you know, Spider-Man's been around for 50 years. Right. Big Al's other question is, what's your favorite Spider-Man story and characters ever? Uh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I, um, boy, I don't think I have a favorite one. 
um, off the top of my head, but I do like the ones where, I guess I don't like the ones where, you know, they're, they're too like, like gory and, you know, they, you know, he gets all beat up and people are getting killed and stuff because I just feel like Spider-Man should be, and I don't mind that in comics, but I just don't really like it in Spider-Man comics. I think I like the ones where, you know, he, he's just doing something just fun, you know? And I think, um, I can't think off the top of my head, but there's a bunch of things where, um, uh, you know, Spider-Man was helping out, um, this is just stuck in my head. This isn't my favorite one, but it just came to mind when I was talking about mm-hmm. it. But there's one where uh, a bunch of B-list villains are uh, teaming up against Spider-Man, and it's like it's like um, the Grizzly and the Gibbon and the Kangaroo and that, and they're all teaming oh. up to like get to Spider-Man, and he's mm-hmm. like fighting them, but he kind of feels bad for them, so he's like you know trying to like in the spot, <laughs> and like he's he's fighting them, but he also is like being super nice to him at the same time like he knows that they're just their heart really isn't in it and they're just they're just doing the best that they can and it could beat him so easily but he's being like so nice and he's giving him like three chances and stuff and it was just like that that's exactly what spider-man would do in that situation batman would just shut him down but spider-man would just, you know, <laughs> he has, he's got that heart you know I had I had to cheat and search for it, but it, I think it was the Spider-Man Revenge Squad. Yeah, um, spectac- that's it. Yeah, spectacular it. Spider-Man 246. It had the Grizzly, the Spot. Oh my, the page just went down. Yeah, uh, the kangaroo, kangaroo, the Spot, yeah. the Gibbon, and the Gibbon. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, I think that's the one. And, and that, like I said, nice. it's not my favorite of all time, but it was just funny in that um, it combined two of my favorite things, which was uh, Spider-Man's uh, deep rogues gallery and uh, Peter's just kind of good nature that, you know, he'll give her anybody a chance, basically. Who's, who's your favorite Spidey villain? Oh, uh, that's a good one. I, I would say um, I like Doc Ock a lot just because I think he's probably, he's probably P, the Spider-Man's Joker in the sense that yeah. he's, he's more than the Green Goblin. I think he's really the quintessential uh, Spider-Man villain. Um, and so obviously that is my first choice. And beyond that, um, I might, you know, like I said, these villains are so are so deep that I think you can go where I really like things like um the Sinister Six. You know, mm-hmm. where you get a bunch of villains together and you do uh you do that approach. So it's not like it's not like you have villain overload like in Spider Man three, where you have a bunch of different villains who are kind of doing all different things at different times. Um when you build them as a group, it's like, okay, well we're fighting the Sinister Six this time. So of course there's going to be six of them, right? So you're actually just fighting one, yeah. you know, one. So I think it kind of solves the too many villains problem, and uh, it allows you to showcase things because it doesn't always have to be the same six, you know. So right. I think I think uh, beyond Doc Ock, I, I like the depth of his Red Gallery and the fact that you can bring all those those villains together. Well, the, the, it's always uh, Osborne or, or uh, Octavius is usually the the two that fight for the top, and I think Ock with the recent Superior Spider-Man uh, book has. Yeah, uh, I, I like I like uh, I like now. Doc Ock better because um, he's yeah. he's like Peter in the sense that he's got that that science background. Like I like the you know like Batman and the Joker are very similar in that they both um, are kind of crazy, but they've channeled it in different ways that are sort of opposite. And like with Peter and him and Doc Ock are, are similar in that they're both these brilliant scientists and they're great inventors and they've come up with it, these things, but they have different outlooks on how they do it. And I think really good uh, arch villain and you know superhero and arch villain pairings work best when they're two sides of the same coin in a sense. And I think that um, 
Octavius works better in that sense than Norman, even though Norman's pretty good in his own right. But I just think that there's a, a great dichotomy there. George Behrman from uh, Texas has a question. Hard sell this for a fan who already has many Spider-Man source books. What selling points make this one really jump out from the others? Well, if it's the world according to Spider-Man that we're talking about, I suppose the character's guide, um, it's really mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, as we're talking through it, it's, it's less of a, um, a character's guide or, or a source book um, with the facts, which I love. You know, I write things like that. But this one is really um, that third-person perspective. It's not super depth of knowledge-based, but it's very a fun read. It's fun to look yeah. at. There's, you know, it, it's a light-hearted kind of thing. And if, it, if you know, that sounds like the kind of thing that you'd like, and you like Spider-Man, then I think you'll really enjoy it because it's kind of written for Spider fans um, mm-hmm. as opposed to just any – I mean, I, I, hopefully anybody would get a, a kick out of it, but I think Spider fans will get – Two kicks out. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, the pull-out things are very neat, like the wheat cakes and the, uh, the yeah, Daily Bugle, yeah. etc. It's very nice. Uh, last poster is from Facebook. Scott Mc- uh, Elroy says, "I'm in. I'm right in the middle of your book now. How was it working with artist um, Mirko? And I can't say his last name, but <laughs> how was it like working with him? And he also says on the Daily Bugle memo." In- Memo insert, where did you come up with the 122 Ludlow Street address for Peter Parker? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, it was great working with Mirko. Like I said earlier, like um, I wrote descriptions for jokes, like I wrote the text down, but then a lot of them are dependent on the visuals for humor. So I said, you know, in this panel, here's what, you know, I'm envisioning happening. And then when, you know, the illustrations came back, they were, you know, they were fantastic. They were exactly what I was hoping for. So he was great. Um, the address is a good one. I don't think that might be new, basically, mm-hmm. because the address of the Daily Bugle I got from Marvel and the address of the Baxter Building, you know, I, those are all things that have been published before. Um, I think I got, um, I think I got Peter's address by, I think that Peter's apartment, like it, remember I said earlier about the map from uh, Handbook of the Marvel Universe that had locations. Um, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly, Peter's apartment was was identified in the approximate block by the old Marvel thing. So what I did okay. was I looked up, but I didn't give an address. So I looked up that block on you know Google Maps and all that, and I figured out, all right, well, according to that, he would have lived here. And then I sort of like researched the area, and I figured out like where an apartment building would likely to be. I don't literally think there is one there. But then I figured out if there was an apartment building there, what address would it be likely to have? <laughs> and I came up with that. So in the sense that it's based on um, previous information, it is. But in the sense that is it a new piece of information? Probably. No. I mean, it's not like you just threw numbers out there. You did some actual research to that. So yeah, I, really, I did want to get it right or at least as, as, as right as possible, you know. And we, we cool. needed some sort of address to show up in there. And, so. I don't want to make and that. he changes addresses all the time. He just got a new address, so that one probably. Oh, no, is I know, I know, and I figured, you know, I figured <laughs> that, um, you know, whatever, you know, he, he is going to move around. But the address isn't completely yeah. just made up numbers and you know right. uh, words and stuff. So I did try to research it and try to make it um, cool. a real New York place. Well, that was the last question. Dan, talk a bit about how we can get the book. How uh, Amazon? I've seen it on Amazon. Yeah, it should be on. It should be in bookstores now. Um, if you're in a bookstore, you can look for it. It's called uh, "The World According to Spider-Man." 
um, big, great picture of Spidey on the front. But if you're not, or if you want to get a copy, I would go on Amazon, uh, search the World of Pertinent Spider-Man, Daniel Wallace, and it'll come up there. And, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. There's even a, a peek inside. So uh, as we were talking about here, there's a couple of spreads that you yep. can peek at on Amazon and get a uh, sense of Merkel's art and sort of where the book is laid out and so on. Right. Any other projects coming up, Spider-Man related or yeah, otherwise? Let's see. Um, uh, later this year, I have a couple of other things coming out. I have a um, uh, well, let me see. I have a Sp- the Spider-Man coming out, the character guide that I already talked about, and then I have a, uh, a Star Wars book that's coming out later that is going to be called uh, the Imperial Handbook. So it's similar <laughs> in the sense that it's uh, sort of an in-universe document, but basically it's a very uh, um, uh, imperial military uh, guide to new officer candidates, basically. So they would issue this <laughs> to you, and it would be talking about the imperial military and the history of the empire and uh, the navy and the army and the stormtroopers and all that. And they're really getting into all of that sort of uh, imperial propaganda. And oh, that's uh, basically, funny. That's um, neat. it was a super fun. So if you're a Star Wars fan, you might want to look out for that one. So I think it'll be out later on in the fall called the Imperial Handbook. Many thanks to Daniel for talking to us. His book is very cool, and so is that interview. And we're going to give away a copy of the book. And uh, many thanks to his publisher, Insight Editions, for letting us do that for Crawl Space listeners. Here's the contest. We've got one book to give away. What I'd like you to do, go up on iTunes and write a review of the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast. Simply type in Spider-Man Crawl Space in the search bar, and we'll pop right up and just write a review. The more creative, the better. And whoever has the most creative uh, review, I'm going to give the book to. A little uh, addendum, it has to be in the United States. That's where they'll ship the book to. So the contest is only open to United States listeners. I'm sorry, folks in Canada and around the world. But that's the rules. So uh, write a review, and once you do that, please send me an email at crawlspacemail at gmail.com. Let me give it again. Crawlspacemail at gmail.com. And give me a heads up that you, wrote, that you wrote a review so I can be in contact and let you know that you've won the book. So thanks for listening, gang, and I, good luck on the contest. Write those reviews soon and get them up there. Appreciate it.